Hi friends, this is episode 32 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey everybody, I'm so glad you joined us for another episode of the Bible Lab. We have a very special guest this week, and even if I didn't tell you his name, many of you would recognize because he has an iconic voice within Christian media. Many of you have heard him on radio or television before. He is incredible, and that is Pastor Dan Matthews, and I'm excited that he is leading out in this episode of the Bible Lab. He's talking specifically about what Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount about generosity and what difference it makes when you see with God's eyes and you give with God's heart and you ultimately know that you have God's wallet. So I can't wait for you to hear Pastor Dan lead out. I'll miss you this week, but I know it's going to be a great blessing to you. So buckle up. Here comes Dan Matthews. Welcome to the Bible Lab. Number one, we become less generous when we doubt that heaven is real. We become less generous when we doubt that heaven is real. Wow, is this a mixed audience. But I think the yeses are in the majority. And if that makes you feel smug, get over it because... We don't want any of that here today. Uh, and there were several of these. We'll, we'll get back to thinking about this a little bit later. Number two, generosity can keep you out of heaven. Wow. There, there are so many hesitant hands going up. Generosity, the, the no's are remarkably in the majority. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to that one, too. Number three. In that my wife does stuff with the IRS, and she spent a miserable day yesterday trying to get them to respond. Uh, I didn't know that was going to happen yesterday, but this number three got in here against the backdrop of that kind of thing. Reporting contributions for IRS purposes cancels out our reward in heaven. Well, there isn't a single green card in the sky. Because all of you want to, want to guarantee not only your IRS deductions, but you want to re- guarantee your reward as well. All right, we'll, we'll think about that a little bit more too. Uh, number four, I've always understood it is possible to have rewards here and rewards in heaven too. I don't see any no's. We all went to the same church and sat at the same teacher's feet. Number five, and this will give you some pause, probably. I know how to tell where my treasure is. Why don't some of you raise, raise a card? 
yes and no, green, green, green. The green and the yes and no's are more than the no's. Okay. I, uh, as late as this morning, I ask myself of Roy again, why did you do this to me? <laughs> so we begin with Matthew 6, 1 to 5, and you see I took the whole page to include questions that bombarded me in the course of this uh, experience. And I have I've chosen for this week uh, the New American Standard Bible simply because it is my Bible reading for 2018. And uh, a couple or three or four things jumped out at me more prominently than uh, some of the other translations, all of which are good. Number one, uh, verse one, Matthew 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. We're going to come back to that line uh, probably three times in the course of our thinking today. And uh, I, I want us to think well about that little portion of Scripture that Jesus saw fit to repeat three times in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 3. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. Um, I, I found at least five topics in this scripture selections, 1 through 5, 5, and 16 through 24. Um, there are references, of course, to the poor and support of the poor, giving to the poor. Uh, there are references to rewards several times. The issue of reward comes up. And the idea is of doing things for rewards. And uh, that the third one that I simply briefly selected was treasures. Uh, and I, I got to thinking, how many of us have what we call treasures, really? Um, I walked through my garage several, things, several times <laughs> in the last couple of weeks against this backdrop. And uh, I, I've got to tell you that I, I don't know how we have managed to collect so much junk. <laughs> and all of it could, could evaporate. And, uh, oh, I, I used to have the saying, don't you touch my old Volvo. Unless you're going to jack up the radiator cap and put a new one under it. 
So I cherish the old stuff because that's what's there, but I could sure get along without it. So the, the third topic that uh, I struggled with in this lesson is treasures. And I, I hope in, in your minds there's running around some kind of an idea of, uh, hmm, is that a treasure or isn't that a treasure? And the, uh, the, the fourth one that is, is, really hits you is the topic, the reference Jesus made to the eye. And uh, it even says there's a good eye and there's an evil eye, which prompts you to uh, think, well, is mine good or is it evil? And what is the purpose? And finally, I just, I just kind of clumped everything together under money as the fifth topic. Now I have a question for you with respect to that. Um, as you think of the poor and, and rewards and treasures and eyes and money, is there a common thread that runs through those topics in this scripture selection that is, is a common theme. Now we know, we've heard Roy explain this to us several times, and it's one of the big reasons why I return here, uh, and that is Bible Lab is all about knowing who God is and what he's really like, his character, and how he interacts or contributes to the lives of his creatures, us. Now, is there a common theme that you hear running through the references to the poor and the rewards and uh, treasures and, what did I say, eyes and money? Is there, is there a common theme? Two things, two things that come out of, from our focus and motive. Are we focused on him and what are our motives? That is eloquent. Thank you very much. And she brings up a word. Say it again more loudly. Focus and motive. Focus and motive is a common thread running through all. Very good. Yes. Well, similarly, I thought the thread was sincerity in your actions. Okay. Sin sincerity. A and I I'll go with that except for the realization I have been sincerely wrong more times than I'd like to admit. But I still buy sincerity. Okay, somebody else? Anybody? What, what is a common thread? And, and we, all right, Mike. I find it very interesting that I think God has a richer blessing for us than we think we have for other people. Much richer. Uh, grow that a little bit for us. Times I've done things like you know, handing out food to the poor, those kinds of things, I get the bigger blessing out of it than they okay. do. Very good. Very good. Well, let's, let's go back to that one a little bit then. Um, there is a new attendee at Bible Lab today for whom I provided directions to get here. My long, long, long time, dear, dear friend. 
And Jerry, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and have them bring a mic to you. Jerry McIntosh now lives in Asheville, North Carolina. He spent a lot of his Christian experience and business life in Houston. And uh, boil it down to three sentences, Jerry, what you've been involved with with Fifth Ward. Three sentences, you know me. <laughs> yeah. If I let him go, I'd sit down. Um, uh, one sentence uh, would be that we noticed that the youth in our church, after the young adult class, pretty much left the church. We didn't know why. And it was because as you bring the kids up and they graduate from the youth class, we don't have anything for them until they get married and have children. And then we start in again. So we decided uh, to ask a friend um, if we were to put together a group of these folks, would he help us? And we did put together the group, and we asked him why they didn't come to church, and he said church wasn't relevant. We said, what will make it relevant? Well, Jesus went where people were sick and poor and needy. Long story short, we ended up 20 years uh, in, the inner, in the inner city of Houston uh, with the expressed desire to raise the level of living for the people who lived there and to convert them into helping themselves and feeling like they were a part of the community. Uh, today, uh, where there were only hovels, there are 2,000 new homes spread throughout the entire community. And the reason for it was that the person who was responsible for that chose uh, lots that people had lost because of taxes. They went back to them and said, would you accept a house? Uh, it started with Habitat for Humanity, by the way. It, would you accept a house on your old land if you could have it back? That put the houses all over the community. And, and now thousands of people uh, are looking to get their own. They're thinking again, the houses are right there where they can see them. I can do this too. So banks came back, mortgage companies came back, pharmacies came back, grocery stores came back. And, and there they have risen. And I must say this one thing for my third sentence. <laughs> um, uh, at when, when Harvey tore through Houston. Hurricane Harvey. And, and destroyed so much of it. I called one of the fellows who still lives there. And I said, I, can, I don't even want to ask what happened. And he just... He was so full of life and love and what he said, you will not believe it. A hundred years ago, when Houston was divided, everything west of the bio was beautiful and the city went there, the rich people went there, uh, and the poor people were given the eastern side. Well, Hurricane Harvey has come through and destroyed everything in Houston except for Fifth Ward, the east side, because it happened to be 30 feet higher than the rest of the city. It gives you an example of God's cosmic time. It took 100 years for things to turn and change in, in Fifth Ward, and I gotta tell you, uh, I'm ain't that, I ain't that patient, <laughs> but it really has helped us, so thank you. It is a story, he said, it's 20 years running now, uh, details of which 
you deserve to hear sometime. It is one of the most thrilling experiences. Now in the context of Jesus' statement, when you do this, don't do it just to be for the motive of being seen by people. We do it because of the need. Now when I was juggling around with uh, this first verse of, of Matthew 6, uh, I remembered, and I think it was mentioned last Sabbath too, Matthew 5, 16. And uh, if you've got a Bible, somebody jump over there, Matthew 5, 16, really fast, and read that for us. And let's put that together with this first verse of Matthew 6. Who, who has a Bible with 5.16 there? Right here. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay. Jesus' statement then is not opposing good works. He is opposing the reason for which some in his community and some among the religious leaders were doing their good works. And he said, if that's the motive, there's no point in doing it because that's all you're going to get. The Father in heaven does not reward that which is done by a selfish motive. I, I, Betsy and I have had the privilege of being with Jerry in Fifth Ward. And I, I will give you a little bit of the way background that the police department of the city of Houston would come to the border of Fifth Ward and never enter because the, uh, the uh, what shall I say, it? It, it was such a dangerous place to be. And this Sabbath school class that Jerry made reference to, those people, and I, this is a little detail that just puts it all together too, I think, uh, this Sabbath school class said, what's needed there? Clean up the mess. There's more details to that than, than I'm going to tell you right now. Clean up the mess. Well, if you went into Fifth Ward at that time, it was knee hip deep in mess. And they didn't know what to do. They went to, we're going to have a question over here in a minute. They went to the city of Houston and got them to participate by allowing their uh, truck, garbage trucks, whatever piece of equipment was necessary to use that. But the city was using it Sun, uh, using it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That leaves two days of the week. That Sabbath school class, in cooperation with some other believers in the city, took their Sabbath and Sunday to clean up the mess. Now, I can tell you there were a lot of votes against that. But now, these years later, there are churches there, and one of those people, uh, I can't tell you all of this, but one of those people preached last Sabbath, last Sabbath in a Seventh-day Adventist church to say thank you for what had been done over earlier years. Uh, question here. Yeah, Greg. Um, 
my question is, we are not to do good works in order to be seen by men, but aren't we judged if we don't do them? Who wants to answer that? <laughs> I'm a facilitator, Roy said. <laughs> How many would agree with me? Yes, we are judged if we miss the opportunities. As long as we don't do it to be seen. But Jesus didn't say don't do it. He also says the poor you always have with you. There's going to be plenty of opportunity to reach out a hand. Let me tell you what people can respond to. They respond to a hand around the shoulders. Exhibiting heart for caring. Back there. Well, a couple of things. If... We, aren't to be, we are not to be saved by works, of course, because it's only the work of Jesus. Amen. But if Jesus had done nothing to show what God was like, how would we love him? How would we know him? We are to be his hands and his feet. And when he says that we should do good works, we are light. We should do good works to glorify the Father, not glorify ourselves. Beautiful. And that's Matthew 5, 16, of course. Uh, we do what we do to honor him and to bring glory to him. And let me tell you, this Houston tale is bringing glory to God that won't quit, really. Yes, Nancy. Well, that was actually what I was going to say. <laughs> well, it's about, just repeat it. It's, it's worth it. It's just about, I think it is, am I going into this to look at myself? I mean, am I, am I looking at how, how good I am? Or am, is my focus, coming back to what she said at the beginning, is my focus to just bring glory to God? Because, I mean, when, when all is done, that is what we are here to do, is to bring glory to him. And as we are all bringing glory to him, I think that is our reward as Jesus, as God is fully known at the end. And, and, and he, is, he is shown to the world and the universe that is an ultimate reward. That's beautiful, Nancy. Thank you. Buddy? What it means uh, to summarize and rephrase is that we are saved by, by intent, not by works. Hmm. That's eloquent, too. Thank you. Yes. <coughs> Diane. When I was reading through this, especially last night, went back through some of these things, and Larry and I were talking about the um the show of things what was being done was good stuff but it wasn't the intent god's intent is to have a one-to-one -one relationship with each one of us and i took i took that into like in a marriage you have a one-to-one -one relationship with your spouse you don't run around and tell everybody about all the little details about what happens in your home. You just don't. And if all of the things that you're doing, the prayer, the fasting, the giving, is a one-to-one -one relationship with God, you don't need to be running around bragging about it. Thank you, Diane. Yes. We really don't have to be concerned about whether we will be judged or not if we do certain things. What we should be concerned as Christians is we focus on developing that personal, close relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we develop that, we are totally dependent upon him. And then all this thing just comes out of that relationship. 
So judging is really not an issue as far as I look at it. Good for you. Yes. One thing, and it may be a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but in terms of doing things within the family and doing things within the church, there are people that are watching you, and some of the people who are watching uh -huh. you are your children. Uh -huh. uh, we have in our family very frequently opened our doors to other people who needed a place to stay. And that is something that I learned from my grandmother. My grandmother and my mother, it was passed down from generation to generation. And it was just a matter of children seeing what parents did and seeing that that was a good thing to do and continuing to do it. And praise God for our parents. I'd like to point out <clears throat> that San Bernardino has the worst statistics other than Detroit of any city in the United States in terms of health or education. And yet it borders Loma Linda. What is God's intention? What wow. does God want? What would he like from us? Wow. One, one more here. Let this keep going. <laughs> I'll get to you, Phil. Let's go right here. Um, I, I was going to go along a similar thread. Uh, we live in Loma Linda, and we're surrounded by buildings with names on them. And they're not names of anatomy hall and, and amphitheater of learning. I was afraid somebody was coming to that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, I mean... It makes sense. People give a lot of money and, and they build yeah. great things. Um, but it seems to me that we have our heads screwed on our shoulders when we build churches. We don't call it Griggs Church or, or uh, Randall Chapel. Um, what distinguishes that? I mean, at the end, this is a Adventist learning institution. When I came here 60 years ago, you could drive half a mile down the road and nobody ever heard of Loma Linda. Now I'd like to say that we have a gateway college in San Bernardino with a beautiful building where there was nothing but trash. We have SAC Clinic, which sees 500 patients a day and is really helping that inner city. That is the response of Loma Linda to the second poorest city in the United States. And I think we can be thankful for that. And that's in the right direction. I, I've got to tell you, I'm even, I, I mean, Phil, your speech was right on, wasn't it, Elmer, or uh, Dr. Elder? Uh, but I was almost reluctant to applaud his speech. Does that kind of move close to giving him a reward for his speech? <laughs> we didn't applaud the speech. You didn't applaud. Well, you don't applaud anything, but... <laughs> Listen to me. Yeah. I didn't applaud the speech. I re applauded the result of the action of Loma Linda. Okay, okay. I'll applaud you for that one too, buddy. Yes. I'll speak as a veteran fundraiser in response to the question back here. What we do in fundraising is we ask people if they will allow us to use their names because that inspires their circles of friends. 
it becomes poor motive when the person on the other end is seeking to put his name on. The mechanics of fundraising and the strategies to inspire other people should not be an ignition for poor motive on the other side. Again, so eloquent, and thank you for doing that. I, I'm going to just, if I may be so bold, as to remind us of a case in point. We've got the names of uh, the Swatics on a building just beyond a stone's throw from here. And I had the privilege of ministering to those dear saints the last days, weeks, months of their lives. And I can tell you that there wasn't a selfish, arrogant, proud uh, sinew in their entire beings. They were all about saying, thank you, God, for what you have done for us, and we want now you to bless that. And if it helps to inspire somebody else, we don't want it. We don't want it. But if it can help somebody else to be inspired to do something similar, yeah, yeah, I guess. You can put our names there. So I think if we can kind of recall, because these are also saintly, godly people who recognize that they have what they have, are who they are, by the grace of God only. And, I mean, those, those people drank out of paper cups instead of china. For me, I think I look at, uh, like our example in the city of San Bernardino, if we waited for the city of San Bernardino to do something, we would have cost a mi millions of dollars and got thousands of dollars worth of benefit. But by private organizations and private charities and everything else of God leading people to do things, he can take something like $10,000 and turn it into a million dollars worth of benefit. Thanks, Mike. Um, yes, back there. I was excited to hear that question because I was born in Watts, California, and my dad moved us here to San Bernardino, which you all know it's not a great place as far as getting, being able to advance. But I just wanted to say I am grateful that God had Loma Linda here because he led my family to Loma Linda. And this is where we became avid. We got into the academy. I, I'm the oldest of eight siblings. We, um, I'm a registered nurse, I went to school here. There are two doctors in the family. I mean, not only did um, God lift us up, so to speak, but spiritually as well, we're here. So, it's slow, I will say, as far as what's being, the help that's being happening in San Bernardino, because I have returned to this area and I, my friends and what's happening there is still bad. However, I believe things are changing, minds are being opened, 
And we just have to keep an open mind and keep it on our minds to help San Bernardino. Praise God for your testimony. Uh, a thought crosses my mind while she was... This is praise to God, by the way. A um, thought crossed my mind. Uh, here we are, Stu. Stu and I go... Stu Shankle. We, we go back closer to 100 years than either of us would like to admit. But the question that occurs to me is, is God allowing us to be around here longer so that maybe we'll get our eyes and our hearts open to his other children who don't have the privilege of knowing him as we've had the privilege of knowing him? You know, uh, Dan, I, I talk to people a lot, and a big question, how come Jesus isn't here yet? And we, we have studies about delay and all of those kinds of things. People get into wild territory, I will uh, suggest. And it may be because we haven't allowed God's glory to be demonstrated to the degree he wants to do it. I saw another hand. Where was it? Okay. Uh, Daryl. I hate to, to jump back a little bit. This discussion is getting so good here. But back to the name situation. Once in a while, somebody, people donate money in honor of someone or in memory of someone and some of the well names. Said. And we have one of those. The, the new fellowship hall is going to be called the William Loveless Fellowship Hall. But it's not because Bill wanted it. It's because people wanted to remember him and are giving funds for that. Yeah. And, and there isn't a soul among us who didn't love Bill Loveless. Even though I interviewed him once and I said, how come you've got the name Loveless? And, <laughs> but we love Bill. Uh, yes, Jerry. I um, uh, have a suggestion. Um, when we first uh, rented a house in Fifth Ward, uh, a very dangerous area, uh, nobody would talk to us. They wouldn't talk to us for two years, actually. And we continued trying to be, trying to be there and available, but no conversations. Uh, finally, they told us they wouldn't talk to us because white people have come with all these ideas. And, and, and then it's too hard, and they, and leave. they leave. And so our di we're disappointed and so forth. At the end of that two years, um, we, we got notice that the local gang was protecting us that whole time, but had never said a word. And it dawned on us, and this is the connector, that, that sometimes the cultures are so different that you don't know how to interpret what people are saying or thinking. We solved that problem by sitting on dirty floors and asking questions. No answers, just asking questions and asking and asking until we all molded together. And once that happened, it exploded. Hi, I wanna share that I've been blessed and it's a humbling experience to belong to a small group called Tree of Life Medical Missions that went to Mexico last week. And 
It is a blessing for me to see students and doctors that have been graduated from Loma Linda University giving out to people that are that would never be able to afford medical care in Mexico. And I just want to say that that Loma Linda has done a great thing on preparing people with love for missions. And I think that we should um, continue to encourage our next generation. And not just encourage, but I also think that it, it like Sabbath schools like this open our minds and, and we see the character of God and what we want is to completely surrender our will and ask him where he needs, he needs us to be. And, uh, you know, a lot of the members come also to this church, and I don't need to say their names, but I just want to say that it is a blessing. You, we get more of a blessing coming back. We're exhausted, but we feel more blessed because we've allowed God to use us during that week. Amen. Thank you. Thad? I want to touch on something that you mentioned we'd get back to, and we haven't. But okay, thank you. <laughs> I used to get frustrated, and it's the elephant in the room, uh, kind of like the prodigal son. His brother went away, came back, big feast, everybody's happy. And the thing that you said we'd get back to is the reward here or the reward in heaven and I'd look around and say, Lord, working hard in your vineyard, struggling. And that person over there, not so nice. In fact, pretty evil. You know, doing all kinds of openly, publicly bad things and rolling in the riches. And I was talking to a customer at my store about that. And she came back with that answer. This is all they get. What they're getting on earth, that's the end of the story. And too often, I think, related to a lot of the conversation that has been happening, we have an us and them mentality. It's not Loma Linda next to San Bernardino. We are San Bernardino. <laughs> we learned that in the shooting, it touches everybody. And when we have an us and them mentality, we miss out on the blessing because at the core of humanity is the very thing that he was talking about. The young lady mentioned being from Compton. The news media, Prince Harry is marrying a descendant of Compton. Meghan Markle grew up near Fox Hills, a few blocks from where I live that is 20 miles from Compton. It had nothing to do with Compton other than the color of her skin. And that's the way the news media portrayed it and we bought into it. What your friend is mentioning, I have seen with my own eyes. A lot of people here know Jan Robertson, the conductor all over Europe and everything else. His home church was in the middle of Compton. Diverse racially, we reached out and touched the community. And in the same way he said that he was protected, it is a matter of having that human connection. You are a part of this community, not because you're white, not because you're black, but because you're a part of this community and we see what you're doing, we respect you. Nobody can disagree in any way with Thad's eloquent statement. The only thing I will jump back and kind of point a finger is we look at other people 
and indulge in our evaluation of who they are, where they came from, and what they ought to do kind of thing. And not in these verses of the Sermon on the Mount, but close by, Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. So I, I think we're, we're kind of walking a narrow line in some of this, in the light of the world we're in, and the uh, dependence that all of us have, sometimes for expressions of reward. I, I don't know personally, humanly, how to avoid appreciation of a reward. Uh, Linda's gone. She's probably on duty today and just came for a little bit. But uh, I, I kind of recoil from her coming and recognizing me and so forth because I, I really don't deserve any recognition, but I certainly enjoy the relationship that I have with her. And I, uh, if you want to know from me what I think is a common uh, thread running through all of this is that Jesus drew upon what he learned from the Father about the issues of humanity and the things that we were going to encounter, the things we would have to deal with, and his desire to say, I am your God and I want you to be my people, leads our Savior to talk about the stuff that in our lives we stumble over as we try to get through the commerce of modern life. Buddy? But for your age, Danny boy, <laughs> you are doing so well and have every right to praise God and be thankful for I that. Do. True? True. <laughs> Buddy here, as I call him, in the dental school, uh, was in ninth grade with Betsy and has walked and, and he, he came this morning because he told me, you still like him, honey. <laughs> <laughs> the, the relationship and the fellowship we have among us here, I think, is what gets us back. And then you take the inspired leadership of Roy and the idea of discovering better about God is, is an important, yes, right here. In the comment for the, the Bible here, tells about Jesus is not condemning public prayers, fasting, and charity. Rather, he is condemning the self-centered nature of public religiosity. God needs to be the center. Good. Yes. It's about motive. And God is the one to be glorified in everything. I, I was thinking in the consideration of this uh, experience today. Um, Matthews, how often do you just keep your mouth shut, for one thing, and just stand and ask yourself as you're about to do something or make a choice or respond in some fashion, um, will this, will this glorify God? Now, I, I, I'm going to confess to you that I dash around so much that my reflective moments are too minimal. 
And I think all of our lives might be a little different if we'd say, okay, does this bring glory to God? And if that becomes our qualifier, yes. I'm from Orange County, and you might have read in the papers of the problem we have, where the city of Irvine, Santa Ana, and Anaheim, they don't want this in their backyard. And I would like to meet this man from Houston to find out maybe we can take some of those, his ideas to uh, Orange County. His name is Jerry, and he's right over there. Nancy? Up in Mammoth, if any of you have skied up there, there's a mural on the wall at um, McCoy Station. And it's, <clears throat> when, I, when I'd walked, when you walk by it, you can actually get close. And as you're really close, there's pictures about this big. And if you were to get close, you could go, oh, wow, what a neat picture of that person. Because they're individual pictures of people. And I guess it was probably the employees of Mammoth Mountain um, is my guess. But it's, you know, you could focus and you could get really close to this big mural and you could look at one picture and you could glorify one picture. However, if you stand back, you get the whole picture of yeah. Mammoth Mountain. And so I think that's what we get to do is we, as we are hopefully bringing glory to God ourselves, but to that it's not about that one little picture. It's not about us. It's about the big picture of the Lord. Thank you, Nancy, for that, because you reminded me of something that I read in commentaries in thinking about this passage, that when you see the word thou, there, or a personal pronoun, that is in the singular, and as far as the Greek is concerned, and Jesus is speaking to individuals. And therefore, these counsels that we're reflecting on here are for us personally and how we respond and become the larger picture, the reflection of his character. Now, regretfully, our time is racing away, but I want to uh, just do a couple of quickies with some of the rest. Um, they have their reward in full three times. That uh, is specifically referred to in uh, Matthew 6. Is there anything that you can relate with that in our uh, commercial world? Did you ever get some notation that says paid in full? A receipt. And somebody writes right on it. Paid in full. It says, don't come back again because you've gotten everything you have coming from this transaction or this relationship. And Jesus is saying to these people, um, when you do this, your motivation is to be recognized and get all the praise and the glory paid in full don't come back again because there is no more reward. It's not because God's going to be mean and not give you reward. It's because you took that. And that's all the thanks you are really thinking about. Back to the first question. Does, uh, does generosity lessen 
when we think eternity is not real. And we're not going to be able to, to examine that to the degree it deserves. But I'd like to have you think about it. See, if we say, where is the promise of his coming? As was said and recorded in scripture, if, if we sit on that and stay there and say, oh, well, it always has been, therefore it must always will be, and uh, if I don't keep what I've got, and if I don't do it my way, uh, there's no more than this anyway. Consequently, a sense of generosity or a sense of, of realizing that uh, heaven is the real thing. That's the ultimate. That's all we're looking forward to. That's that's the pay, that's the reward we're going to get. And then we wouldn't hang on to stuff. We wouldn't judge people. We wouldn't resort to the kinds of isolation that sometimes allow people to say, well, it's them, speaking of the Adventist community. In fact, uh, just a brief sentence, Betsy and I, have developed relationships in this, in this community. Uh, maybe some of you know, there is a huge Syrian community here in the Indian Empire. And through a chain of circumstances that you don't have time to hear about, uh, Betsy and I have got acquainted with them. And uh, this last Tuesday was the fourth visit to a home where a gentleman, my vintage, is dying of lung disease. And because of a long-range relationship that's just been kind of walking along, uh, we are there. And this last Tuesday, we were confronted very specifically with the fact that among a lot of Christians, and uh, th they happen to be Orthodox, a lot of Christians and non-Christians People don't like you. And, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable hearing that. I, I don't want to be told people don't like us. I want them to talk about Loma Linda University and all of the other benefits like the new facility. And, but people don't like you. They're not looking at the buildings. They're not looking at the amazing advances in healthcare. They're looking at us too historically. And that's as brief as I can say that, I think, and you'll understand. Too historically because of Sabbath. Now, can you put together why they wouldn't like us because of Sabbath? We are the Christ killers. I have never in my ministry confronted that before. And these are people who love us as far as the medical center is concerned and personal friendship and all that. But you Adventists, you are just a modern version of the Jews because of the Sabbath. I think we have a tremendous challenge in expressing to people as we do in Bible Lab, this is about Jesus. And he is concerned about all these dimensions of our lives. And he has outlined for us principles and values that we get to live by 
none the least of which is taking care of people. And I'm going to tell you, we'll be, we're going back to this home this week, and we'll keep going back as long as we need to, as long as they want us to. But I had the privilege of opening the holy word that they respect and reading to them about Jesus. And the doctor among this family says, I know, I get it, and I'm going to help tell the story. So we, we are fabulously blessed. The, the business of the eye Jesus was talking about there is that we can have double vision. We, of course, want our eyes on the kingdom. And we want everybody to know we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And at the same time, don't you dare grab my pocketbook. The eye is the window of the soul. And as long as we let the light of Jesus in, he takes care of all that stuff. But if we don't make Jesus the focus of our attention, then other stuff can begin to dominate and become more important in our life. Thank you so much, Pastor Dan. That is absolutely true. And we'll try to take your words to heart this week. Thank you so much for leading out. I can't wait for you guys to come back to the next episode because in that episode, I'm going to be able to help you out because many of you have a lot of cares and a lot of worries and a lot of stress. And Jesus himself talked about how you can manage that and how you can take all those worries and throw them all away. I can't wait to show you what Jesus says next episode. Hope to see you then. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10.30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.